0: Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at (laughs) filmcomment.com.
1: Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. In case you're just joining us, this is another edition of the Film Comment Podcast at home. Every day, we're talking about what we're watching, and for this episode, we checked in with Sheila O'Malley, one of our regular columnists who writes the Present Tense column. I joined digital editor Clinton Crute to talk with Sheila about a classic Hollywood star she's been returning to. Gene Arthur, well-known from several Frank Capra movies, as well as Only Angels Have Wings. Sheila also chose another film, which I don't want to spoil because it testifies to the great variety of movies we're all watching right now as we explore away at home. As usual, we're providing links on Film Comment's website, including where to watch the next movie we'll focus on our next episode. We'll be talking about Leo Carax's Mauvais Song, starring Juliette Binoche, and Denis Levant. And we'll have a very special guest to join us for that episode. You'll also find more information and a link for supporting the publisher of Film Comment, Film at Lincoln Center, during these unprecedented times. Also, don't miss details on the new streaming availability of one of our favorites, Rao. Thank you for listening, and let's go now to our conversation with Sheila and Clint. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Film Comment. And this is another edition of our Film Comment Podcast at Home series. Uh, now that being at home is a 24-hour way of life, uh, we are, I don't know if I'll say we're embracing with it, we're, we're trying to cope, uh, like all of you out there, I'm sure. Um, and one way we're doing that is just staying in touch and talking about movies and talking about movies with each other and keeping each other company. So each day we'll we're having someone new uh, on the podcast to talk with us. Um, and for this podcast we are very happy to be joined by
2: Sheila O'Malley. Sorry. It's alright. <laughs> <laughs> in my house. I don't know where I am. Okay, Sheila O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> and i write for you all and i write for roger ebert.com
0: yeah how do we know it's really you that's the question yeah no that's the thing there's god, no way I, that's the thing there's no i'm no way a, of a
2: knowing. rogue on you all
1: oh my god i hadn't even considered that possibility but in that case <laughs> um this is steven spielberg talking i'm <laughs> very happy
0: to this talk to the people and very, this uh, is uh matthew mcconaughey <laughs>
1: Oh, my God, Matthew, we have to talk. We should really work together.
0: A lot of people don't know that this is what my real voice is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then, uh, well, <laughs> introduce uh, I am uh, Clint, Clinton Crute, the digital editor at Film Comment. I'll um, be lurking in the background and chiming in, <laughs> chiming um, in with, occasionally. Yes,
1: uh, yes, but more than occasionally, I hope. Uh, and so, what we've been doing is is kind of choosing a, um, a title or, or even a, a filmmaker or, or actor that we will just talk about as a touchstone, and then also just going through whatever we've reached out for in 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 semi desperation um, as we watch. That's certainly my case. Um, you know, as the days go by, um, the best laid plans uh, often turn into um, I. I guess I'll discuss what I ended up watching last night when it comes to that. But let's start with the woman of the hour or the women of the hour, which is Sheila is and Jean Arthur.
2: Jean Arthur. Yes. Um,
0: Oh, and we should, before you start, we should note that uh, yesterday afternoon we published a column by Sheila kind of breaking down Jean Arthur's career. And uh,
2: so it's, it's funny about her. Like she's one of my favorite actresses and I've written about movies she's been in um, and I wrote about the more the merrier um, for you all, I think last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had never kind of written just about her. So I thought, well, this might be a good um, deep dive into why she's special, why she's, you know, this is well covered ground by other people, but I thought it might be fun for me to try to put into words why she's so good and why you can't really pull her out of a movie and replace her with someone else. Like she's very, oh, yeah. unique. Um, she has elements of Carol Lombard. She has elements of, I don't know. It's, and you couldn't put Jean Arthur in like a Betty Davis movie. Like you hmm. couldn't kind of swap them around, which is the thing about all of those actresses in the studios, they had like huge fingerprints of persona and, but she's different because she really didn't. I mean, you could say she's, you know, in her films, um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Mr. Deeds goes to Utah. I mean, you know, all of these people who are going all these different places and she's, um, uh, kind of the regular girl. She's the regular assistant secretary She's a working girl. She's not a lovelorn. She's not a kook. She's, She's very
0: independent too, right? She can hold a job. She point. has an
2: apartment. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it, um, which I say in the piece, is that by the time she started getting important roles, she was in her mid-30s. That's late. So, she, you know, for actresses anyway. <laughs> let's just say mm-hmm. that. Um you know, you're old by that point. Almost, you're not. You're starting to have to, at least at that point. Um, so she played ingenue parts in the 20s when she started out in silent films. So she comes to stuff like seasoned. She's experienced. She's been around. She's not jaded though or hardened. You know. So she was almost 40 when she did. Only Angels Have Wings, which is probably one of her most well-known, I don't know, maybe Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. So, you know, you're a leading lady at 39. In 1939 um, is, you know, she was starting to push the boundaries of um, as were Betty Davis, Joan Crawford. My cat knocked my book off my shelf. Oh, please.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) See, that's that's, yeah, that's authentic right there.
2: <laughs> my cat is so happy that I'm home all the time. Um, anyway, so that's my was my yeah. interest in kind of digging into her career.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think she plays an and you say this too, but she's an adult, and she, her characters are often adults. They're not the
2: they don't know. have any illusions. That's one no. thing about her.
0: But they still have kind of a. Um, not an innocence, but like a uh, at core. Often, often her characters are kind she of she can melt. Yeah, she
2: can definitely like. Mister Smith goes to Washington is the perfect journey for that.
0: Oh right, where she's sort of the cynical. She's completely operator. She's broken.
2: She's like, I got to get out of here. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I have no belief anymore in the system. And by the end, she is jumping and kissing and je- running up and down hallways. Um, yeah. So she's and- not um, worldly wise in a, I would say, yeah, she's, she's interesting. I mean, she r- reminds me of myself in my thirties, you know, you kind of been around, you still want to be happy. You're not like, Oh, screw it. I'm just, you know, she's, um, Yeah,
0: you're not like giving up. She's not somebody who's given up, but she isn't going to be uh have, she's not going to have, she's not going to be tricked. She's not going to let other people not take be advantage tricked. of
2: her. And the other thing about her, which I say in the thing, and as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is really interesting, is that she has zero sentimentality. She's not a romantic. She can end up being romanced, but she's not coming into, you know, a lot of um, women or female characters come into relationships with men gaga-eyed already, (laughs) which then men run screaming into the woods like... I'm. You know, <laughs> this is too much. So, but uh, she is kind of she can she can hold her own with men. She can pal around with men, just like with Thomas Mitchell and Mister Smith goes to Washington. It's like a wonderful. And of course, he keeps asking her to marry him, but yeah, she, you know, gives she can kind good of to- coexist with men without getting silly about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. which is one of her things, I would say. And she's not a. How can I say this? Is this G like she's not a ball breaker? She's not a woman who's going to stalk into a room angry like Joan Crawford. Like you no one's going to push me around. You know that's <laughs> not her. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that um, was that's kind of the what I was trying to. And then on um, the like making all of this kind of interesting and quirky is her voice, which right. is a kid's voice. It's a which
0: is sort of like y- where your. Uh, you kind of focus on that in the, in the right um, column. He has is- a,
2: like the voice of a 13 year old boy as it's changing. Um, <laughs> so interesting. And it's not yeah. put on, you couldn't put on that voice and it's not a kooky voice. It's just how she talked. So.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, her, her voice has always been so interesting to me. I mean, she was definitely an actor that, you know, when I was, i I don't know (laughs) i one of the various phases of 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 binge watching of particular classic hollywood stars uh some decades ago uh i I, she was one i I was just totally fascinated by because you know um you know even in movies of, of like high drama like you know only angels have wings or or something like that um it's she she has this as this for a star? It's it's sometimes a surprisingly retiring uh, or recessive presence that she kind of has, while right. also being very very uh, direct or uh, on the level. I think of that phrase that always comes up, you know, <laughs> um uh, you know, level level with me. Um, and and a part of it is the, is that voice. Yeah, it's 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 weird. And and then sometimes that accentuates
2: voice. Spo- it's not mellifluous tones of like put her into you know, a, a weepy, a two hanky. And you, she, the voice would take you out of it. Right. Um, And she always wanted to do, she always thought that what she was doing wasn't real, not, not worthy of her, but she always wanted to do serious dramatic parts and sort of felt a little bit dissatisfied with how she was cast, which Mm. is, um, you know, you're never happy with what's going on with you, you know, Um, because she, nobody, there's nobody like her who was doing that stuff like you don't believe even though Joan Crawford came up as hard as you can come up like sleeping in the back of the laundromat with her mother and then you know I mean just really and yet and you believe her in all of those kinds of parts but you don't believe her as regular you don't believe her as like someone you could like meet up for happy hour and laugh about the men in your life and make fun of them and and then be (laughs) in love with them anyway
0: you know. i think that uh arthur is just uh it's kind of an urban For figure sure. too i think For she sure. and so it's she fits into this kind of period in history when like there when when the city was this like fast moving right you know jazz right Jazz inflected place um and i think she just kind of she seems very comfortable there so you know, I can't. I don't remember Shane that well, but I think that was her last role.
2: Yeah, a movie and, role.
0: She kept. Yeah, movie role. Sorry, both. yeah, yep. movie role. But um, I it's th- thinking, imagining her in a western seems sort of, uh, just doesn't quite add up to me.
2: She did do one with John Wayne, and right, that's a right. very interesting pairing. And then she started out doing westerns, silent westerns,
0: where uh-huh.
2: she played the bimbo in the calico apron you know nothing parts and then kind of definitely once i mean once the 30s happened and all of the sort of pre-code criminal gangster element sort of brought everyone into the city
0: right Um, (laughs)
2: right um in the movies anyway
1: yeah well Let's let's dive into a particular. Uh, let's dive in depth into a particular movie that um, e- either of you um, watched um, just sort of in the past um, couple of days. I don't know which one we want to want to do.
0: Well, uh, I'll start. I, I watched uh, John Ford's "The Whole Town's Talking," and uh, she's not the focus. the The main uh, the lead here is Edward G. Robinson, who plays um, a clerk at an office. And his coworker is Gene Arthur, and he's in love with his coworker. And he's a really kind of uh, shrinking violet type of guy. He's, he's a he's secretly a writer and a poet, and he sends her he sends Gene Arthur's character poems um, anonymously. And so then at the same time though, he's he's also turns out to be the spitting image of this notorious gangster killer manion who's uh terrorizing the city and uh as and at one point he's he's pegged as killer manion who's on the who's on the lam and gets and the entire police force of new york city sort of def, de, descends on him at a restaurant hmm. and and uh you know there's a lot of funny business with people going you know give it give up the goods manion like we know it's you and he's like
2: oh i'm just a clerk yeah
0: yeah Uh, And so he's this kind of like innocent naif, and Gene Arthur plays, you know, this streetwise tough character who somehow still has a soft spot for this guy. And I think one, for me, one of the interesting things is at the beginning of the movie, she's fired and uh, she just doesn't, she just kind of like lets it roll off her back. She's just like, great, I'm fired. Like whatever, no biggie. Like That's just the way the world works. What's that?
2: And she doesn't leave the office.
0: No, she just goes and kicks her feet up on the desk (laughs) and kind of like sasses a bunch of people who walk by. (laughs) And then later on, uh, Edward G. Robinson gets her her job back and uh, there's a lot of business with with him looking exactly like the criminal. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the more remarkable things about the movie is how well the how well that's done that to the one actor playing two characters.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Seems the, like, you know, with the technology that's available today that often happens and you're still, it still just doesn't really work, but I don't know how, the, you know, there was a lot of rear projection stuff and uh, use of mirrors, but somehow you don't really, it doesn't really jump out at you in this movie that it's Edward G. Robinson talking to himself
2: or a stagehand, you know. Or yeah, you know, or yeah, you know, or, a or a guy that like end. kind of looks like him
0: from behind. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah. but yeah, she's she really enlivens this movie quite a bit. I mean, Robinson's she's the great.
2: only woman in it. I think. Right? Yeah,
0: I think uh, Is there uh, his wrong? aunt, I think, appears briefly at the oh, end. Oh,
2: that's right. That's right.
0: But yeah, I think you're right. I think she's the only woman in it,
2: and she. If I recall, and I'm not going to get the quote right, but her first entrance, she gets in late, and the guy who runs the office is a Mr. Stickler, Severs,
0: yeah, this Mr. sort of stuffed okay. shirt.
2: Um, uh, is like major. a real stickler for coming in on time. And so she kind of strolls in, and he says, so-and-so, you know, you're late. Right, right. And she kind of, all she says is, that's because I got in early.
0: Oh, no, because I was here, you uh... He said, Do you, he says something like, Do you know what time it is? And she says, Nine thirty. And he's like, That's that's right. And he's like, That's cause I was here till nine thirty. Something like that. Where she said she was here late the night before. So she's oh, in. Ending-
2: see, what I got was however it's worded, there is a double entendre that she was out all night. Oh. That she's yeah, like that- Yeah, no, I left late. I'm in late because I was out late, honey. I mean she's uh. definitely like Throwing her, you know, romantic life off screen in this prudy Victorian man's face and he's completely befuddled and she like stalks away as all the guys are appreciating her. Um,
0: Yeah. And I think she's the only woman in the office.
2: Oh, she's for sure the only one in the office. Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, to me.
2: And they're all in love with her. I mean, they're all... they're all
0: in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she, but she's also the only one who doesn't seem to be like desperately trying to hang on to this terrible job where they're like just punching right, numbers all... into machines.
2: It'll be the scrivener. You know, they're just machines. All over their death.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 1935. Uh, job. Jobs were not plentiful, but, um, so the fact that she's just as kind of blase about that is really, a. You know, you she immediately just kind of is a is a larger than life character in that way. Yeah. I feel like
1: she's set a certain mold for a kind of office type or something that I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people maybe have been riffing on on her in a way for I don't know, decades
0: afterwards. That yeah, I always thought she was kind of like a she's always seems pretty strong and
2: like Edward B. Robinson is a little bit of a fuss budget. He has yeah. a picture of her on his wall in his sad little room. <laughs> well, or you know. he has
0: a cat and a canary that he takes Oh, that's of. right, Abelard the cat. That he calls. Him. <laughs>
2: right, he's like throwing food at it because he's yeah,
0: right because yeah. he's late in
1: the morning. Um, yeah, no, I guess well, or like, I guess I'm just going back to what you said, Clint, about a, a kind of
2: just an urban. She seems very kind of hip and can yeah. yeah, hip, and could have like, scrolled into Sex in the City and talked all of those girls off the screen because she can handle herself and she's not getting all worked up you know um, yeah. there's yeah, and she and can
0: like, like hang with the boys you know it's also that kind of vibe where she goes and she gets it sits down in the office and is like you know some guy behind her she's like hey johnson like yeah
2: would you look at this
0: and then there's like right
2: she's she riffing on something but she's not kind of a tough you know howard hawks always said so she worked with howard hawks the one time i think in only angels have wings you know everybody i like i always see when people write about her, they quote Howard Hawks comment about her. Like I, I, she, you know, that he wasn't, she wasn't doing what he wanted and, um, and it's kind of like, well, first of all, you know, I love Howard Hawks. He's one of my favorites. But take every single word he says with a grain of salt, okay? The yeah, man would take credit, man. credit for everything. If he does, he takes credit for people's hairdos, you know? Like, well, I would my idea, <laughs> And I told, you know, NASA that they should put John Glenn. I mean, not really. But, you know, like, he <laughs> um, takes credit for everything. And so I think only angels have wings. She really isn't like a Howard Hawks woman. The person who is the how you know, the, the, with TM at the end of it, you know, like the brand, um, the one who is, is Rita Hayworth and that works that this ex-wife comes in and she's this sort of glamorous, cool. Meanwhile, Rita Hayworth is shivering in her shoes from terror because it's such a big part, but you know, she was, and she was amazing. Um, Mm, but Jean Arthur comes in and does, does what Jean Arthur does best. And which is. Well, in, the, in that one, like Pauline kale's piece about Cary Grant, the man from Dream City, she says something like, Gene Arthur completely falls apart over the course of that movie. It's like the worst crush you've ever had. You <laughs> become undone. She's eavesdropping at doors. She met him 10 minutes ago and she's crying when he does a loop-de-loop in the air. You know, she's a mess. <laughs>
0: uh, it is Cary Grant.
2: And yeah i mean who wouldn't even though he's wearing these gauchos in this huge hat i mean he looks ridiculous and gorgeous um, <laughs>
0: got at the huge hat yeah
2: you know but um <laughs> what i love about that what i love about her performances in that is that she's still sort of okay i'm gonna play piano for the whole bar and i'm gonna show up this big tough guy by playing so good and i'm gonna I can hang out in this all male world and completely everyone's right, right. in love with me. But at the same time, she's eavesdropping, following him around like a little puppy. Like, like, yeah, she's, she's
0: vulnerable and she's there's completely that
2: core of... and is admitting it. She's yeah. like, I've, I've been stung twice and I'm sitting around still. And now you...
0: are are you saying that the, so the Hawks girls are more of uh, just a are tough to the core
2: not tough to the core. He, he was very, very specific in what he wanted. And it was, you know, Lauren Bacall was his dream girl, right. um, which was basically based on his wife, Slim Hawks, you know, who was, could shoot a gun, uh, hold her liquor and look completely feminine. I mean, it, it, it's like the, every teenage, yeah uh, you know, it, it it's an adolescent ideal of, a. uh, what the perfect woman is like and it's extremely attractive to me and to you know um so lauren bacall in to have and have not is right, sort of, of the course. ideal and because this was her debut he could mold her i mean he told her keep your head down keep your voice low don't move all that you know she was very coachable because it was her first part she did exactly what he said and she was amazing you know, um, and she's never
0: shaken, you know. She's never, she
2: never, uh, she didn't have a style yet. She was just a yeah. kid who would travel to Hollywood with her mother, you know. And Jean Arthur was almost 40 and was not as, she, she you know, she's going to do what she's going to do. Imagine if he had made her do that. Stay still, keep your head down. I mean, it would have been ridiculous.
0: But as street wise as she is, I think one of the, what kind of, what you're kind of saying is sets her apart is that she's also, uh, She's not always level-headed, I guess. I know, in, and that's uh,
2: why you love her. She,
0: yeah, the whole town's talking when she suddenly realizes that she's talking to Killer Mannion and not right, uh, right, not the nebbish. She the, she becomes terrified, right? And she fumbles it's and stumbles and escapes. Her, yeah, yeah.
2: Like the more the merrier. You see it again. That's another one where she's like, "I am all set. I am engaged to this." completely boring um bureaucrat but i'm fine my engagement has lasted almost my entire adult life and i'm fine with that i like my life ordered you know and right. of course you can see because she's a wonderful actress that all she is aching and heartbroken and sad and lonely and just basically needs the right man to come in and make her laugh and <clears throat> make her chill out you know it's the ideal Yeah, she was the ideal for that. And talk of the town is similar. You know, what I think is so funny about her, which I don't think I said in the piece, is how she continuously tries to be dignified and fails over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: What's so funny is when she's like uh, talk of the town is just high comedy because she looks so insane. To Ronald Coleman because she's lying the whole time and he must think she's a lunatic. She's in her pajamas at noon with a house full of people because she can't. She doesn't have enough time to go get dressed. He thinks she's just a layabout, lazy lunatic. When (laughs) there's a reason she's in her pajamas anyway, she literally cannot be dignified in the circumstances she finds herself in, and it's so funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, says something that she's particularly good at having to expl- explain away things and come up with something and that kind of like... You
2: know, she's peering in his room in the middle of the night and he busts her on it. <laughs> like, how creepy is that? You know, why am doing it because she wants to make sure he's sleeping so she can go up in the attic. But, you know, it's like your landlord peeking in your bedroom at night. So right. weird. <laughs> And yeah. on it, and she's like, "I have no excuse." I, I, I was told- yeah. But
0: then he's like, "Whatever," goes back to sleep, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, of course. But you know, that, like over and over again, she is acting in a way that can't really be explained, and it's very funny.
0: Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Jay Hoberman on Thomas Heise's essay film, Heimat is a Space and Time, Michael Koreski on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Plus, Spike Lee's trusted costume designer Ruthie Carter, Isabel Hooper in Lulu, George Romero's Lost Film, and much more. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com.
1: Which is also funny to me because another thing I kind of associate with her are characters characters that are kind of speaking up or speaking out in a way, um, which there's something about her manner, you know, it makes you feel even more because sometimes just speaking out, you know, can can be difficult. Uh, And in this case, she literally cannot explain.
2: (laughs) Right, right, right. The more the merrier too, because she's trying to get these two guys who are living in her apartment to buy her bullshit and they won't, they're trying, she is trying to have them go, Oh, okay. I totally accept your story that you're happy. (laughs) That wants them to do because she feels too vulnerable. Um, meanwhile, they're reading her diary. They're, you know, they're doing all of these things, um,
0: it's a lot of creepy behavior from everybody involved.
2: <laughs> it is, but if you look at it like... And I think doesn't, like what, isn't one of them a
0: Supreme Court justice or something? <laughs> it,
2: no, that, no. Oh, no,
0: that's the talk of the town. Wait, no.
2: Yes, he's he's been... He's a
0: law professor, isn't he? He's
1: a
2: law yes, professor. Who is only into the ideals of law and then gets kind of sucked into the reality of it but while it's creepy behavior at the same time there's something that's so satisfying about it because of how much she basically exhales her misery it's a vibrating aura around her and it needs to you know that's one of the things it's like it, she needs to chill out and have some fun yeah they both sense it and they go after it and of course she ends up chilling out and having a lot of fun and <laughs> the hottest makeout scene In history, you know, and when you watch it, you're, uh, you know, my response is, God, this woman deserves that because she's so uptight and unhappy, which I don't know. It's not just that her, it's her stock and trade, like Betty Davis played similar roles uh, brilliantly. Um, But there's something a little cockeyed about, there's something a little screwball-y about Jean arthur that makes her misery funny well yeah mm. she's, she's the, funny she's the queen of the screwball because yeah. she's trying so hard to put on the face and nobody buys it
1: but also with without feeling like she's a butt of a joke in a cruel way which which is not always entirely the product of the movie. I mean, that's something that she's able to do to kind of bend things ar- around her. And so that you, you know, you do still sympathize even when it's ridiculous. She's not just like this kind of.
2: No, no. Yeah. I mean, if you think of talk of the town of her running around in her pajamas and this horrified judge, who's like, why don't you go away? I, I'm, try- yeah. I told you I'm trying to write a book and all she wants to do is be dignified and, and, she's, she's just evil. trying it's
0: like she's very she's a very capable person who's just kind of overwhelmed by circumstances and, and so her you her kind of her her like
2: you you're aware how she looks to him and that's right. what's so funny about it like mm. um yeah. but so it's not like god get yourself together and she's not a complete ditz like Catherine hepburn in bringing up baby who is just a, a source of unending chaos which also brings this kind of unhappy, nerdy man into a state of, well, he keeps oh, trying to yeah. be dignified and can't. But then finally, he's like, I've never had so much fun in my whole life.
1: Yeah. So Gene Arthur has been one you've been watching a lot, Sheila. And uh, I know for all of us, one quality of, of, of living at home is that just, you know, you kind of find yourself following uh, different you know, watching all sorts of different things and, and going down different alleys, um, and that leads to sometimes an extraordinary variety of of viewing. Um, and so, another movie, uh, Sheila, that that you were uh, bring bring to talk about um, is I, I cannot even begin to think of a segue. I don't know if you maybe have, have one.
2: I mean, it's a ridiculous segue and it really has nothing to do with anything, but Edward G. <laughs> Robinson played a dual role in the whole town's talking. And the movie that we're going to talk about also has a man in a dual role. I mean,
0: and, and both dual roles, uh, the sort of evil,
2: good and bad, right? Yeah.
0: There's a good and bad and the evil one kind of tries to, t- well, in so, the, in okay. the, One of them, he successfully takes advantage of, uh, you know, the girlfriend of the good one.
2: For sure. They're both. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, Dead Ringers, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime. And I, uh, you know, I saw that movie, I think when it came out. I don't know. I remember seeing it in the theater. And for a long time, it was, in my memory, unavailable to be seen. And I was like mad that I hadn't bought the DVD when it was out. I think Criterion brought it out of, out of print. Am I getting all this wrong?
0: I don't know. No, I, I didn't know that it was unavailable. I, I couldn't
2: find it. it. Let's just say that. And granted, I needed help getting into this chat. So take it all. With <laughs> box, okay. Um, but I was like, you know, looking around on Amazon. I was like, I'm going to see, I'm going to watch Dead Ringers, And it's 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I'm quarantined. So, why not? It was as creepy. Talk about creepy. Creepy as I remembered. Um, One
0: of the most creepy, I think.
2: Really yeah. creepy. Um, and I was really... I mean, I re- my response to it was the same. It's not like I revisited it and was like, oh, this wasn't as creepy as I... Called it.
1: Um, do you do you want to just uh, do a quick um, quick summary of what what the movie's about?
2: Okay, if you haven't seen it, um, welcome to the madness. Um, <laughs> so apparently, it's based on a true story, which I was not aware of, and it's about you know gynec gynecologist identical twins, and they are played by Jeremy Irons, and they started out. Early as children, it begins with a flashback. Obsessed with women's reproductive, but they're like kids taking apart a doll and doing operations on her womb. Um, good times, and they grow up to be Jeremy Irons. One of the, and they have their own practice. One is in the research, and one does the examining. And it seems that the patients somehow have not kind of clicked. They don't know that they're dealing with twins. And so like if one can't go to an appointment or if a one woman comes in and the other guy isn't busy, they'll swap roles and not tell the woman. I mean, it's literally your worst nightmare as a woman. Um, And... You know, they go on dates. Like one of them is shy and kind of passive, and the other one is a ladies' man who wears silk scarves and, (laughs) uh, you know, screws all his patients and is fabulous. Um, And so, the one who is Mr. Ladies' Man will will go on a date with someone that his brother is interested in and warm her up. You know, kind of get her into it, like make her, and then sends his brother to kind of reap the rewards (laughs) it's so gross um and it's uh but fascinating fascinating into this um world this sick duo and they live together comes an actress i think she's doing a mini series played by genevieve bujold who's like brilliant in this and i mean uh, she literally doesn't know that they're twins and she doesn't know who she's having an affair with you know, and it's passionate sexually when she's with Mr. Hottie McToddy And then, she, <laughs> then she's with Shy Boy who wants to talk about his feelings. And she doesn't know which end is up. She's like, she says, I feel like I'm with your schizophrenic or two double personality. And things go obviously downhill. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it goes pretty.
0: Go. And, and the hill is quite uh Whew. Uh, it's steep it's steep declined and, decline and, and filled with barbed wire and broken glass and, <laughs> and you know, strange, and strange, surgical and strange, surgical
2: instruments with, um, Yes, you know gynecology you don't want broken glass or barbed wire anywhere near anything um <laughs> and so it and, and so then their practice starts to their gynecology practice starts to suffer
0: well there's like drug there's a drug there's a drug addiction, uh, addiction that thing. comes
2: and jeremy irons playing this dual role like i was watching it and just talking about Ever G robinson i i i did forget that it was the same guy i mean oh yeah
0: this is another one of those movies woo! where you're just like these people like you don't even question it
2: and that the, just trying to picture him play these very intense intimate scenes um you know between the brothers because his all, most of his scenes are with the brother and he's yeah. literally talking to a an, a double so it's jeremy irons looking at uh, but you believe he's staring at the brother i mean it's just such a work of great imagination um
1: yeah and and I mean, also just a movie I I remember finding kind of uh, not in a bad way, but just kind of maddening to watch. Just it's, I mean, it drives, it just, I mean, it's brilliant, but it's also maddening just to be watching the actor talk to himself. I mean, there's some claustrophobic aspect to to the whole thing.
2: You're not on anyone's side. Like I don't want either of them to win. Exactly. If you're on, well, they're just, they're
0: just, slowly killing each other, really. And, like, and
2: as one goes down as the, um, I think his name was Beverly. So he's the shy one. And he actually falls in love with this actress, but he's not the one who satisfies her in the bedroom. That's his brother. So he falls in love with her. You know? And um, when she leaves him, he falls apart and is now shooting up in the office. And,
0: and then they, they become obsessed, I think, right? I mean, to me, like the, creepiest element of the movie is they're just kind of their research into like you know strange gynecological mutations I think
2: the tools well yeah and they have these tools that they end up using on a woman well one of them ends up using on a woman but it's meant to um retract in surgery not to go where it's going oh it's just it's right it's impossible yeah
0: it's a to watch a uh a very freudian I mean a nest of Freudian sure. um, references yeah and, and-, and
2: the twins like what what they both start to go down though because as one goes down as Beverly goes down Elliot feels the need he says we need to synchronize again we need to be synchronized which leads to the ending obviously that they can't one can't go down and one stay up they have to be, if one's going down, the other one has to go down. Um,
0: yeah. And they, they kind of go out of sync and then that's yeah, kind of when things.
2: The is not.
0: Destabilized. Can't
2: bear it. Uh, neither one, neither one is strong enough to bear
1: that. Now I'm thinking this might be the one movie we talk about on this podcast that we, we don't recommend people
0: watch. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would wait until. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can get out of the house <laughs> on a more regular right. Basis right. <laughs> I don't know. It really depends on your on I mean, your I uh, did it, taste. Though. Though. I,
2: what's wrong yeah. with me? Sounds I, I, <laughs> great, but I, you know, I thought, well, I, I this hasn't streamed, I, or if there are, I'm sure everyone's going to say, "Oh, I'm streaming on this." Well, I well, still have a VCR, so just give me a break.
1: Yeah, I'll well, I'll take it back. I guess what there's going to always going to be a certain viewing where it's like. Eh, could be worse, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because it's it's you know, uh, uh, you know, like you said, um, it, you know, the Freudian aspect, but also just the idea that neither of them are whole, right? Um, and 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 that's just that's a source of horror in and of itself. And, well, and that's the something-
2: nightmare. Do do either of you remember the nightmare that one of them has?
0: No. No. Um,
2: he's lying. I think it's Beverly, the sort of shy one has a nightmare that I think that he's making love to this woman, but then he, he sort of realizes that it's his brother and that their wombs are that they're one, you know, like conjoined twins like they're, but it it's stretched oh. out between it's just, it's like an umbilical cord, but it's huge. It's like their bodies. Um, and it, uh, I can't it, believe you know, I
0: must have, I must have wiped this from my God, memory. God, I
2: was so frightening. And Jeremy Irons is um, waking up in horror from the nightmare. This is the gold standard scene for that. Cause you mm-hmm. always see actors waking up in sweat and going, Oh, oh my God, that was horrible. right. right. And this, feel, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: and what I, one thing that I remember from this movie is the just, that is there, like there is like a pathos and you do feel it is somehow, Tragic. I mean, it's not just horror. There is horror. Yeah. But these characters are just, it's just like they're, they're doomed. Yeah. And you kind of watch this decline as, and they're trying, they, they try to like, you know, they can't get out of this, this downward spiral that they're in. So yes. Gosh, I just kind of I'm
1: afraid that we we've given all our listeners a kind of whiplash between going from Gene Arthur to uh Dead Ringers.
2: Welcome to um, my world. I was the one who did this. That was my <laughs> these are my choices. So I would like to course. see Gene
0: Arthur in Dead Ringers now. I think I think that's where we, the next
2: <laughs> oh, she would she would be like, I'm out of here, you guys. You're not. <laughs> that's
1: right. Blink blink I'm leave. <laughs> um well, I mean, that's definitely. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I mean, I could talk a bit about something else that I, I was watching too, although um, I don't even know if it's if it's within the, within the rules or not. Um, but I mean. Eh, well, you just do the buzzer if it's not. But I mean, one strange thing that is happening is obviously that uh, on Netflix, you, you can be watching a lot of different things. And I ended up watching an episode of a totally ridiculous TV show and called The Stranger. Have either of you watched any of it? Oh, no, I think I heard.
2: But I've seen it. It's on the front page now. Oh, is it? I remember what, what? it coming across my scrolling pretty easily, and I haven't oh. seen it. Oh, so. I'm, thinking
0: of, I'm thinking of that HBO. Stephen uh, Stephen King series, I think.
1: Oh no! Thanks. This yeah. is like a British, basically nighttime soap, in a way. So I've only watched one. Um, the the haircuts
0: se- on this on the image that comes up when you search for it, are something to behold. I have to say,
1: yeah, they're all pretty uh, intense. But basically, the, like the setup is like over the top like the pre-credits sequence alone is you know is like of a, a kind of bonfire with kids prancing around in and intercut with other things and then one of the kids goes running into the forest and then they cut to the credits and then you know there's like a dad whose uh, wife is off at a teacher's like conference somewhere um a convention and while she's away and while he's like coming back from soccer practice um dads versus lads, um, because he uh, the, the, the parents play with the kids. Um, a stranger, the stranger, perhaps. I've only watched one episode, so I don't know how much of her current character is. Walks up and, and tells him just the most outrageous th- things about her, his wife. And instead of thinking, why does this woman know so much about my private life and everything about things that I do not even know? He immediately you know of course goes into a frenzy and and panic and yeah it's it's downhill already from from there
2: um, well wow, i'm watching uh, the preview there's like a naked person running through the woods
1: yeah that's 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 just the opening that's just the aperitif and then they yeah they follow up with that there's so there's other saunders
2: is in it who is one of the funniest people ever oh remember? can
1: you say again i think it got garbled jennifer
2: saunders oh yeah yeah so funny
1: yeah, she's I can't say much about her character yet, but she's she like seems to run a cafe and she's the friend of one of the two investigating detectives okay. on the case, on the case of a decapitated llama. Wow. Um yeah. I, 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 I almost don't want to watch anything again. Like this might actually become my hobby now is watching the first episode of completely bonkers series and not watching anything other and just having this crazy quilt of, of set up and unfulfilled premises. <laughs> Um. Anyway, that's where I'm been. Where I
2: might, you know, this is right at my alley. I'm watching <laughs> yeah, crime, anger,
1: yeah. It's something we might end up talking about is the, um, uh, the, the, just the everything mixed together quality of, of, of hopping around on, on, on streaming. Well,
2: yeah. And you get series, you know, with eight mm-hmm. episodes, you can kind of blow through those, especially if you have so much more free time you're around. I mean, I don't mean to say, yeah, uh, everybody's
0: on. saying they have all this free time.
2: No, I know. And just I'm to working me is the something mystery. for you guys yeah. like taking up, you know, um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, and I work yeah. from home already, so there, that isn't like the biggest change. I'm just concerned yeah. about everybody in my life who doesn't, and you know, yeah, it's not like a vacation. It's right. filled with filled with worries, but um, as long yeah, as, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, no, I'm
1: I'm glad you say that because I don't want, yeah, I don't want people to to think no, that I've we're just who yeah. are
2: actors and who are waiters who literally, that's it. You know, yeah, and. Uh, it's very very um concerning. scary um yeah and you know i want to take many of them into my apartment and just but we can't do that either um, yeah you know um anyway yeah yeah but, that's what makes
1: it so especially torturous yeah
2: and that there's no sort of sort of end to it um but, uh, you know, and I've been still, I'm working really hard. I'm writing a lot. I need to chill out. So I have been watching a lot of silly stuff, not like Dead Ringers, but, you know, um, <laughs> things where I don't have to think and things where it's just entertaining and I can kind of forget for a half hour or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely need. Distraction, other other worlds, other moods, for sure.
2: It's it's rejuvenating. You need to be. We need to be sort of strong and you know step out of step out of the panic a little bit and
1: um, yeah, and see. Faces too, even if they're just
2: yeah. On the TV even if every time now. I'm watching something now, I'm just blown away by how everyone is touching surfaces, touching their faces, <laughs> hugging each other. I'm, you know, I watched a commercial yesterday and was really alarmed at how they were coming in the house with groceries and touching everything. I was just <laughs> it's already yeah. A date.
1: Yeah, totally Ooh. internalized. Let's
0: hope it. Let's hope
2: it, we it, get to that point forth, again. Period of time.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I don't know. There was an old Saturday Night Live sketch, Phil Hartman as a cooking show, uh, the anal retentive chef. All oh, right, of course, uh, that's kind of just the way of life now. Um, yeah. Um, well, s- we better we better <laughs> leave it at that. I think. Oh, Clint, were you going to jump in with something? No, no, no. I'm not.
0: I'm jumping out. You're jumping out. Okay. Well,
1: uh, so we'll, we'll wrap it up right there. Um, thanks everyone for, for listening and stay safe out there. Sheila, thanks for, thanks for joining us, keeping, keeping us company. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And be sure to read Sheila's uh, column, latest present tense column on, on the website, all about Gene Arthur and, and more, more to, more to come.
0: Oh, and on next Monday's podcast, we will uh, be talking about Leos Carax's Malvae song. And that will be sort of our jumping off point. We're all going to... So if you want to, if you, all you listeners out there want to get a jump jumpstart and, and oh, watch ahead of time beautiful. over the weekend, that's what we'll talk about. And we'll take it from there. All right. Signing off. Thank you.
2: See y'all later. Thank
1: you. Bye-bye. or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.
0: Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kreski on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, non-profit film journalism today at filmcomment.com.